Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneur's Podcast with your host, Charles. Enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 31 of the Crypto Entrepreneur's Podcast. Today, we're going to be sitting down with Vers Laloon. Uh, he's a writer and he's a trader, and today we're going to be talking about one particular article that he wrote called where are all the killer dapps um you know in 2017 dapps had these you know huge promises and everyone was really excited for them but we never really saw any follow-through with it um and we haven't really seen anything that has you know a ton of application and a ton of users so we're gonna be talking about that we're gonna be talking about his writing uh we're gonna get into a couple other things as well so enjoy before we really jump into things, um, can you just give us a little bit of background on yourself and what you were doing before you found crypto? Yeah, um, so I'm Verse. Uh, before crypto, I so I found crypto in college. Um, so I didn't really do much before crypto, but I didn't get heavily involved until you know, like early 2017, late 2016. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm uh, assuming you're fresh out of college then. No, I'm not. Uh, well, I'm fresh in like several years, like three years. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, a couple years. Uh, yeah. So, um, in college, I studied math and philosophy and computer science. Um, so it kind of just was always around. I've heard of. I've actually heard of crypto since like uh, the pizza incident with the uh, ten thousand Bitcoin. Uh, so I've a bit aware of it, but I just wasn't invested at all. Um, and then after I graduated, I was trying to find a way to like merge my computer science math interests. Uh, and I was like, okay, let's do crypto, like actual like cryptography. Uh, so I did. A, I was like writing programs and trying to learn about cryptography. And in the process, I found crypto. I was like, oh, I like this way more. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it kind of sounds like a lot of people's stories where they heard about it or knew about it, kind of were involved in the scene, then got invested. Um, you, mm -hmm. you know, were looking at cryptography because that kind of lined up with your majors, math and computer science, and. Mm -hmm. Then you found crypto and you're like, all right, this is a lot more interesting. So once you found crypto, um, I'm assuming you got invested and now, you know, you've written a bunch of articles. Um, so can you tell us about that transition and then talk about some of the articles and other stuff that you've written? Yeah. So when I got invested, uh, I kind of immediately became obsessed. Uh, and I've always kind of ran blogs and so... Uh, I always ran blogs, so in college I did like a philosophy blog, and then right out of college I had a podcast that was about technology and society and stuff of that nature. Um, and then once I really got heavily invested in crypto, I really couldn't think about anything else. So I decided, all right, let's just make our blog like about crypto and society and technology and kind of merge my previous podcast and blog and with the actual crypto space. Um, and then along the way, I guess like I guess January or February, uh, when crypto crashed after the 20K, I was like, okay, I need to find some way to keep myself occupied. I'm fairly positive that this is going to be the future, um, but I have to muscle through the bear market now. So the first thing I did was like, all right, let's try writing a book. Uh, and let's, um, and that's pretty much what I did from like then, from March, February, March into, through August. I wrote uh, a book called Bitcoin for Blockheads. Uh, and the impetus for that was that inspiration for that was that um, I kept going to these meetups and I would meet businessmen who 
who were very interested, um, but they just genuinely did not know anything about the space, and they didn't want to spend the time to like really get involved and really know what they were investing in. And I kept having the same conversation over and over again about like what it was, wh- where the place was, space was going, yada yada. Um, and at that point, I was just like, you know, let me just write a book that's like super short that I can literally just hand them, and it pretty much. Uh, amounts like the first six months of like research you would do if you're in in, in uh interested in bitcoin and i just gave it and i just covered every topic from the most basic perspective that i could um and fortunately i used to be a teacher so i tried my best to make it very very uh low level layman uh conversation so with yeah. the book book it's kind of a an intro to bitcoin what it is you know everything about it getting set up i'm assuming um yeah okay perfect legality there we go uh, some history okay so like a pretty much you know covers everything that you need to know um Mm -hmm. instead of just having that conversation 50 times um and then you also talked about you know you had a blog and a podcast and it used to be on philosophy technology uh yeah so the blog before i i don't i don't maintain it any longer okay it was like called pretentiously boring it was really just about philosophy now my blog is uh is on my website called tashim.com. That's my real name. Uh, I decided to just keep my real name since it's in my Twitter tag anyway. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. There we go. Okay, so you've kind of moved on from the previous blog. Can you talk about some of the articles that you've written about, um, whether it's on your blog or, you know, I don't know if you've done any writing for anybody else, but can you just briefly touch on, you know, some of the stuff that you talk about when you're writing? Yes, um, I did. I've done uh, technical articles for Mochimo, which is like a quantum resistant coin with like a haiku algorithm. I've done articles for this company called Shift, and they kind of make turnkey solutions for uh, making exchanges. Uh, I still like technical writing for them. Uh, but on my own, I've written uh, articles like one of which was Bitcoin's Not the Internet of Money, uh, kind of responding to uh, Andrew and whatever, I can't say it, I can never say his name. Uh, Andronopoulos. Uh, Andreas. <laughs> Andreas a- a- Antonopoulos, I think. There you go. There you go. Andreas Antonopoulos. And, uh, and, and the article kind of briefly touches on his, his idea, but then comments on the fact that a lot of these companies are failing because they are wholly thinking of Bitcoin as like money and their tokens as money. And that use case is more or less already filled. And furthermore, it kind of shoots you in the foot long term when you are when the only use for your coin is really just to speculate on um so i was just I wrote about that in that article i did and i also do like some technology and society stuff so i did like deep fakes in the bitcoin UK use case about like a very practical use for bitcoin and blockchain when we have when deep fakes become far more ubiquitous and there's a lot of public confusion and then like the algorithm and then like something that's purely technology is like the algorithm is going to arrange my marriage. It's about like Tinder algorithms and how algorithms are shaping our lives and our in our social conscious things like that. There we go, right on. So a lot of it sounds pretty tech heavy, um, mm-hmm. and then you also, like you said, have that book, which is more of a simplified, dumbed down version of what it is. So it sounds like you have a very wide range of what you're writing about. Um, and I was going through some of your articles. There was one that really caught my attention. Uh, that I do want to talk about. And I feel like you have, 
you know, a very technical background. You've also got this philosophy background. So you seem like someone who can speak on this topic very well and in depth. Um, and that article was titled, Where Are All the Killer Daps? Um, mm-hmm. So can you just go over a couple of the talking points that you hit in that article um, and then give us kind of your outlook on daps as a whole um, at this time? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so that article was inspired by the fact that the very first altcoin that I got involved with was Pepe Cash, the original one on uh, Counterparty. And it was a trading card game, and then obviously there were a couple other trading card games like CryptoKitties and uh, and uh, All-Stars, CryptoArts All-Stars. Um, and these major dApps, uh, decentralized applications if you don't know, uh, pretty much crashed the networks that they were on which was unfortunate given that they're not a particularly like resource-heavy application. They were kind of just fun. Um, but if you remember, if you were around at the time, Ethereum, when the CryptoKitties was kind of like peaking, uh, it sent the fees up to like $40 per transaction at yeah, some point. Yeah, absurd. It was horrible. Yeah. And if that's what a fun little card game would do to the network, there's no chance of any real application scaling on it. Um, and to date, there are very few uh, dApps that have any real use case. Uh, the most notable of them is Steam, Steemit. Um, and then, of course, uh, more recently, like MakerDAO, and then there's like gambling apps. Um, and while, you know, those are fun, uh, Steemit potentially has like a far larger future but that is nothing like what we were promised when we started uh, to get excited about decentralized applications. Um, and then some people say de- uh, decentralized exchanges, but as I said in the article, and also apparently reality is now confirmed, that that's not really going to take off, especially when these exchanges aren't really decentralized and they try to comply to like U.S. regulations. Um, and then ultimately the point of the article kind of comes down to a lot of these companies and these depths are missing a single player, what I call like a single player um, mode for their application. So everyone's kind of thinking big picture and like what the application might be able to do when it has millions of users, but they're not thinking both technically and just from like a user experience standpoint, what it's like as uh, when it's just you or a very small number of users. and I was like, if you want growth her in these applications, outside of just pure scaling architectural issues, there needs to be single player modes for these applications to get adoption to the start. Um, I think that the example I used was VCR uh, for uh, boomers. Uh, so the reason, the reason people started using VCRs was not to watch tapes at home. It was to record things on their television. And that was like a single player use for a VCR. After that, when enough people had them, they started to make and movies for uh, cassettes or whatever they were called uh, for tapes, and people started watching movies at home. So there was a single player use case, and then that single player use case was then um, expanded upon to make what ended up being what we remember VCR to be useful. And I think that a lot of these companies need to spend more time thinking about what the single player use of their uh, application will be if they want people to actually use it and then you start thinking about scaling after people are actually using the network 
There we go. Okay, so yeah, you covered covered a lot there. Um, you started off by talking about some of these dApps. Uh, you talked about Pepe Cash and CryptoKitties um, mm-hmm. and how at the height of things, CryptoKitties kind of crashed the network. Um, so then you touched on, you know, scaling. Uh, you mentioned a couple other things like decentralized exchanges. Um, and then, so you brought up some of the bigger dApps, you know, MakerDAO, mm-hmm. Steemit, there's a bunch of gambling dApps. Um, and they're, you know, not being used by that many people. Um, I think I checked it last week and, you know, MakerDAO and Steemit are the two most used. And I think there were a few thousand daily users, which is next nothing. to nothing. Yeah, it's next to nothing. Um, so you did talk on this, you know, single player mode, um, this single player use case. Can you talk about maybe what some of your other ideas are on how these guys can continue to grow? And then also for, you know, anyone who's currently working on ADAPT, uh, what's some of the stuff that they've done right so that other people can kind of follow in their footsteps? Cool. Um, yeah, I think that for adoption, a lot of these companies are missing, other than just the single player use, like they're not thinking about their niche, I guess, uh, like from a business standpoint, uh, because everyone kind of just got excited, I guess, about the gold rush that crypto can be. Um, I feel like everyone started thinking like ma- like massive and, th- and didn't think niche first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you think of like, for example, Instagram, Instagram didn't start trying to be like the social network for photos. It started by just making an app that had one use case that was really good, and that was to make filters for your picture. And then from there, it built on it. And then similarly, Snapchat started with like pictures that deleted immediately for like college nudes or whatever, and then it grew from there. Um, and I think a lot of these companies are missing the very basic singular use for their app. They don't have one thing that works really well, they are either a blockchain decentralized version of something that already exists, or they are just a really lofty goal, or they're really just like a white paper with nice wrapping. Um, and I just think that if you want people to use it, it has to meet utility requirements. It has to be like useful. Um, and it also needs to be user-friendly, and that's a part of the thing that people are missing. Um, obviously, you know, there are some applications that like just tech nerds who are into crypto are going to use. Um, but if you want true adoption, you need to have something that grandma can use. So it has to be easy to, it has to be very easy to use. It has to have like very few hiccups. It just needs to be easy to onboard people. Um, which, and it's not a dap, but the, the best uh, example of this right now is Cash App. And they're the ease in which you can like buy and sell and transfer Bitcoin. It's obviously not a decentralized application, but that that simplicity is something that really that people really need to consider if you want public adoption. Um, yeah. Uh, what was the rest of the questions? Sorry, I, I, I got lost. No, no, it's all good. Um, <laughs> I just want to recap that really quick, just because you did bring up a couple key points there. Um, you know, you were talking about how everyone kind of rushed into this with these big grand plans. Um, and I think everyone was just trying to grab as much of the market as they could. Um, so mm-hmm. they had big promises. Some of it has kind of fallen through. 
um, and they also wanted to kind of cast as wide a net as possible. Um, and then you talked about some of the successful apps, just regular apps that we've seen, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, that kind of thing. They started as one single thing. So you talked about really focusing on just a single use case. Um, I do have to kind of agree there with some of it because a lot of these dApps are single use case, you know, like gambling dApps, you go Mm -hmm. on and you gamble. It's one thing. That's all they're trying to do. Um, but what I can agree on is the use of ease and onboarding, um, and how user friendly some of these dApps are. I've tried to use some of them and there have been some dApps where it's just been too complicated for me to even get it set up. Obviously, Mm -hmm. If I had taken a little bit more time and put a little more effort in, I probably could have got it figured out. But, you know, it really just needs to be, like you said, as easy as Cash App, where you can log in, push buy Bitcoin. Obviously, that's not a decentralized app. But, you know, that use case is what's really most important. Um, And then that second part of the question was, you know, with the... MakerDAO, Steemit, you know, some of these gambling dApps that have started to grow and have a decent user base and have been somewhat successful, you know, for all other dApps that aren't seeing that success, um, what are what are those guys doing right? What what's MakerDAO, Steemit, you know, Tron Dice, I guess. I don't I don't really know too many of the gambling dApps, but what are they doing right that others can do? Uh, I think that uh they're, I think Steemit and MakerDAO are just, they're solving less the, they're just actually just providing a utility that's better than other options, right? So there we go. But one thing that keeps Steemit working, I guess, on some level is that it does pay users for content and in a way that's relatively simple and you don't have to like invest on the front end. Uh, and they kind of had some users or, um, that were that, that are outside of the crypto sphere um to bring their audience so there is some like genuine network effects occurring there uh with MakerDAO, they're just solving a problem very well uh it is probably the only i don't know if any other ones are working that are decentralized like stable coins um so it gives you that like it takes the ethereum blockchain which already has the network effect working on it and then it just uses uh the built-in ethereum like uh, whatever uh, networks to create this stable coin on top of it, which kind of removes a lot of the FUD from things like Tether or whatever. Uh, so because those are just like improvements on a fundamental level, I guess they're a large enough improvement on the on alternatives that people want to use it. Uh, but I don't know if they're really, I mean, unless you just have a great idea, I'm not sure exactly if you'll have the same results as those two application uh because there are a lot of great ideas that just like flounder yeah Um, like golem is a great idea but right now it doesn't have the same kind of use so i can't necessarily say that they're doing inherently something correct Uh, they might have just got lucky in that sense okay yeah so i mean like the two big things you touched on there were providing you know actual utility they've come up with something that actually is important and needed and that people are going to use a lot of these dApps. It's like, eh, nobody needs to be doing this. You kind of just created it. It kind of seems to make some money in some sort, in some sense. Um, and then you also talked about Steemit with the monetization. If you can get any kind of monetization in there, it obviously draws more users in. Uh, with, mm-hmm. the, with the gambling sites, again, there's or the gambling apps, there's obviously that chance to make some money, and those have been extremely successful in my eyes. 
So one, you know, you really got to have a solid use case. Um, crypto starting to mature, in my opinion. Everyone had these, oh, this this coin or project does this, this DAP does this, and you know, nothing really came to fruition. And now we've started to see those people who actually were solving some actual problems thrive, and mm -hmm. I think will survive this, you know, next five, ten years. Um, so I think those are the two big things that you touched on. I was kind of, you know, in the same mindset. Um, so we've talked about a lot. We talked about, you know, what you were doing before, uh, some of the articles you've written on, we got into dApps. Um, so can you now going forward, tell us, you know, what you're most excited for in the next 12 months with regards to, um, just decentralized apps in general. Um, and then also for yourself, you know, you're a writer. What have you got going on in the next 12 months? Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, I'm most excited for Tezos, even though part of me thinks a lot of the hype is just because a lot of like OGs have bags uh, of Tezos. Yeah. And, they're, and they want people to buy it. But if it does work as said, it would be a really cool, um, you know, network to do dApps on top of. Uh, I'm also excited about. Uh, I guess actually, right now that's the only one because a lot of the other ideas that I was excited about kind of seem to be dying. Yeah, a lot of them seem to be fizzling <laughs> out. Yeah, so I, I don't know. If, uh, I, I can get too invested in idea wise in a lot of the current projects because they're probably not going to be around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I w I'm excited to see if a real decentralized exchange shows up. Okay. Uh, Binance Dex is the closest, and it's still not. Uh, and if a real one shows up, that could be really exciting. Uh, and then for myself, um, I'm going to release a second edition of my book uh, because of you know a lot happens in a year in crypto. There are some things that are outdated, um, and there's just sections I would write better. So I'm going to release a second edition of that book uh, very soon. And then I'm also uh, I don't know. I'm just working on making my Twitter more exciting. Uh, I'll try to do a lot more like trading-based content uh, on the Twitter. So there's that, and then obviously my blog. I'm going to keep writing crypto articles, uh, and that's tashim.com. T a s h e m e. There we go. Yeah, we can have you know your Twitter handle, your blog, your site up in the show notes. So for anyone who's interested in seeing some of the articles um, that you've written, we'll have that and they can get a link to that. Um, so you talked about Tezos. It's funny because, you know, anyone on Twitter has seen, I don't want to call it a shill campaign because I don't want to say that, you know, it's coordinated or anything like that. But mm -hmm. I do see a lot of OGs talking about it. And so it's kind of, you know, I've been a little bit pessimistic about the project myself only because of that. Um, mm -hmm. And it's always tough to kind of figure out, you know, are these people just trying to sell their bags? Is this something that they see as revolutionary? Um, so you talked about that, and then you talked about a real DEX. Um, why, why is it that you say you think Binance DEX is the closest thing to a DEX that we have? I feel like that's pretty far off, you know? The, is there a better one? Uh, I mean... Oh yeah, oh, you mean like as a DEX as a whole? Yeah, yeah, I mean, just oh, as yeah. a whole. Like, you know, Binance can stop users like us users can't use binance desk decks from what i've heard i don't know if that's changed um so that's like you know pretty far off in my yeah. opinion um yeah so i agree with that for I, sure i mean yeah i i don't know you know that we're there yet i think we're getting there um 
So those are two kind of big things on the decentralized app section. And then for yourself, you talked about a second edition to the book. You want to start working mm -hmm. on your Twitter a little bit more. Um, and then also the blog. I'm really looking forward to seeing any new articles you've got coming out. Um, so thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. You covered a lot there. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how, because, you know, when I first started hearing about, you know, these decentralized applications, my mind went crazy with, oh, my God, this has, you know, an effect on half the world. There's so many things that can be done in a better way. And so far, it's been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, and it kind of sounds like you feel almost the same way. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm really looking forward to just what's to come. You know, people are starting to really buckle down and build. Um, so I really appreciate coming on and you kind of giving your opinion on the whole thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like, I also want to just make sure everyone knows that I actually am still really excited about the space. Um, I just kind of think it's just like the, the dot-com bubble where all the ideas from the dot-com bubble probably exist now. They just weren't done correctly the first time. There we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, there is a lot of, you know, people just trying to grab some money. So that's yeah. typical with any kind of new revolutionary idea. It blew up very quickly. Everyone's cashing in. There's this blow off phase where things kind of fizzle out. And then, you know, the people that are providing real utility, the stuff that actually matters, continues to thrive. And I think we'll see something very similar with this space like we did with the dot-com bubble. For sure. Right on, man. Again, I want to say thank you so much. Um, we'll have everything in the description. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or touch on that we maybe missed? Uh, no. All right. Perfect. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah. Again, thank you so much. All right, guys. That wraps up another episode. And I just want to take a quick second to ask you a huge favor if you found anything in the episode helpful or it's been inspiring to you in any way i just ask that you share it with your friends family anyone you know on social media um, and hopefully we can help them out as well have a good one